Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Episode 56, December the 5th, 2012, the Groundhog Day 1. You are listening to This is Atleti, the only podcast in English dedicated to Atletico de Madrid. In today's episode... With victories over Apoel Tel Aviv, Sevilla and Real Gen, Atleti took their win streak back to up to five games before another devastating derby defeat. As the winter transfer window approaches, the rumor mill has been reactivated. We'll discuss the latest in this episode. Real Madrid strike hard when hopes were high to end a shameful streak of consecutive derby defeats. Courtois was in the limelight for a few hours due to his Twitter account, and he gets a flood of affection from fans and teammates alike. With Real Madrid as our first major flop, people feel more nervous than before as we have to visit the Camp Nou. And the red and white fact of the week. For the first time in Atletico's long and storied history, they have won their first seven league games at home. After their victory in Sevilla, Atleti became the best second place team in league history after the 13th match day. And another bonus derby hangover red and white fact of the week. With his penalty kick goal against Sevilla, Falcao reached the 50 goal mark with Atleti faster than anyone since the Spanish Civil War. He has now converted all five of his spot kick attempts this season. Hello everyone, welcome back to Visit Atleti, your space of 100% Atletico Madrid news and opinion. This is Ricardo Menendez once again hosting the show. And tonight we have from Florida, Mr. Hangout Guy, Martin Rose, 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 no. Did I say that right? No. No. <laughs> Rosenau. Rosenau. I, but in Spanish, I, if you want to say Rosenau. No, no, Rosenau. And then the German, Rosenoff. Rosen- it's up to you. Okay, yeah. so... I should stick to Rosanoff. I I was I, I had scripted in fact that I finally learned how to pronounce your name but <laughs> because I have to keep practicing. And well Martin will be here. Hi Martin to hey, talk you about doing? your victorious tour in Spain. And we also have Derek Mayan. Derek, how how are you? I'm great, man. It feels just like yesterday when we were uh, standing in the bar having some beers together, but um, it's great talking to you again. Yeah, you you were also here partying in Madrid the, the week before Typhoon Cristiano hit the show, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. We, we will be missing Gary and Billy today, who were both unable to, to make it to tonight's show, but um, they've promised to reappear soon. Well, guys, um, here we are back again, and, and we've got more than a message from our fans trying to not sound uh, too glum in today's episode. So let's try our hardest, but let's try to also be realistic, which is probably something that um, many people hadn't been before the the, the derby match. And um, 
I might have to raise my hand and count myself uh, among the the fans that was absolutely convinced that Atletico were, were going to play a decent match um, on um, uh, at um, Santiago Bernabéu and are sort of devastated afterwards uh, because um, it seems like all the hard work has gone down the drain. But before we get there, um, maybe we should start by by going over. Um, What's what's happened? What happened before Real Madrid? Um, before Real Madrid, we got um, two important Liga wins. We got um, Sevilla and Granada, um, which were important to to um, have that have that safety distance with with Real Madrid in in the third position. And we also qualified for Europa League, and we qualified for the next round in in the cup. So things aren't looking that bad even though we lost against Real Madrid guys, right? Absolutely, and uh, I keep telling myself, but all other people who are teasing me about the derby loss, I mean, we're still um, in second place in La Liga, man. we're still five points ahead of our neighbours, and um, I mean, that the result was disappointing, of course, but we've had a, a, a great couple of weeks, and I believe one of the headlines read um, that we had won five in a row, we kept five clean sheets in a row, I mean, things are still looking very bright for Atletico, and this was just a minor hiccup, and let's see if we can continue from here. You guys were here during the um, Sevilla match. Um, in theory, over the paper, though we're seeing that Sevilla is is, is um, quite frankly struggling to to maintain the pace of of the higher part of the of the of the of the Liga. Um, Sevilla should be the type of side that we we should be comparing ourselves against, or maybe Betis, Malaga, um, Valencia. Um, besides Valencia, we've won all the rest of the sides. We shouldn't be that worried. Martin? Yeah, I agree. I mean, at this point, we're 12 points ahead of them, uh, five points ahead of Real Madrid. Uh, going back to the... Nine points ahead of Betis. What is it against Betis? Hold on. Nine points. Oh, it's nine points? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we still have a, a pretty comfortable... Yeah, that's it, right. It was a 12-point margin before um, the Derby, but, of course, it's it's gone down three points. That's right. So, yeah. No, but still, that's a, a big, big margin that we have. I mean, compared to the last few seasons when we've been struggling to make up the distance between teams ahead of us at nine points, now we have that, you know, advantage over all our direct rivals. No, right? Right now, what would would be happening any other season, I think we can even look this up, is that we would be um, three or four points shy of the last Europa League spot. So, being at the very top, um, having Real Madrid um, struggling to keep up with our pace, and and only having Barcelona ahead of us is mm, quite a minor victory, but it's a victory in itself, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we've been uh, begging for this for years. For uh, Ricky, you and I have been saying for years that Atletico should be among the top teams in Spain because mm-hmm. that's our uh, rightful place in the history of the Spanish football. And, I mean, that's where we're at right now, so there's no reason to complain at all because we know that realistically we cannot compete with Barcelona or Real Madrid. Um, we shouldn't even try to compare ourselves with those teams right now. We can compare ourselves with the clubs or uh, with the history, but not with the teams. And to see us actually up there, right up there with Barcelona, it's it's pretty amazing. And um, I still think that we have had a perfect start to the season. And we've lost twice now. 
but there's really no need to worry because those were two very tough away games um, and I'm actually very happy and m- maybe that's interesting to talk about right now because we do seem to be getting the results when it matters against the smaller teams um, something that, that never happened before in, in previous seasons Exactly. What never happened was the consistency. I remember yeah. that's something that we always, always looked at. I always discussed it with Derek that, you know, whenever we got two wins in a row, it was almost a certainty that we'd lose the third game. It was, I think we went something like over a year and a half without putting together a three-game win streak. And then this season, we got off to that incredible start. 11 matches won. That's incredible. Yeah, that's yeah. an incredible figure. Yeah. Right. And then the other thing is, okay, we lost to Valencia. Then we lost in Portugal, and then we went quickly. We bounced back quickly to another five-game win streak, which you know I would have loved to have seen last season or the season before, just one five-game win streak. And and on top of that, like Derek said earlier, was five shutouts. You know what I mean? Five shutouts. I let these notorious circus defense mm-hmm. uh, in the past is now you know. I'm, I'm having I'm having a look. In fact, at um, last season. We only won four games more than what we've won so far this season, so that's just, that's an incredible that's, figure. Yeah. Outstanding, and well, and it was enough to qualify fifth. So right, um, it, we, we've got we've got inf- incredible figures right now. Looking at the the derby, there's something very interesting that you just mentioned, Martin. It, that is, I think that we all agree that this season we can rely on our defense. We're actually confident in guys like Miranda and Godin which in previous years we never would be. And I think that that is actually one of the factors that um, was so disappointing on uh, Sunday against Real Madrid because then we did concede a very cheap goal with Arda's handball in the first half. And then we did look very uh, vulnerable at the back in the second. And it did seem like a minor lapse, just a one game against Real. Um, I'm not sure though, if it was just uh, a single lapse of concentration, just a, a, a one-off, or um, if we should be worried about that looking at that Barcelona game. But mm. I think... Well, uh, I think it was so... That handball, I mean, up until that point, I don't know about you guys, but I was feeling extremely comfortable with the way we were playing. I, yes. I wasn't yeah. nervous. I was really happy. I was like, we're really taking it to them this time. I'm pretty no, sure everyone else... It was like the first was time in 15 minutes that you, you, you didn't feel under constant pressure by Real Madrid. Right, right. And then it, I, I'd like to to like just, you know, go in a time machine and have Arda, you know, stop him from doing that silly handball. And if, you know, they don't score right there, what happens? Yeah, but what the happens? thing is, that, w- does the match play out? Fine you know when you do that. It's, it's just so incredible. Yeah, and that position that he was in, I guess he was thinking, okay, yeah, I'll give Cristiano a free kick. He'll, he'll just send it, you know, 40 feet over the crossbar anyway, so it won't, it won't matter. Yeah. And then, of course, against Aleti, his last two free kick goals have been against us. It's no, incredible goals. Um, I, I was I was watching the match with my brother, and I was saying, I'm, I'm, uh, I can't believe it. He only scores against Atletico, and uh, thing is that he only shoots right against Atletico. <laughs> Actually, he uses a completely different technique against us. It looks like because usually he just smacks them, he smashes them towards the goal, and they fly high over, like Martin mentioned. Uh-huh. But this time he actually curled it in with the, more of the inside of his boot. It, it, it's even more controlled. Like he knew the type of occasion. He knew that he had to get this on goal. That, and, that's what I'm uh, thinking. I think it's the importance of the derby. You know, the focus. You know, okay. You know, I, I really gotta try to put this one on target. 
I, I think that's what he's thinking there. Yeah. And um, you, you you said before, Derek, about the wobbly defense. The, um, the, do you think that the 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 key factor in in the um, defensive struggle that we had in the second half was maybe because of Felipe Luis's injury? I think it was actually our first half struggle where we did seem able to push Real Madrid back. We actually pressured them on their half, which was very interesting to see, um, while also being able to stop their fast breaks, which was, um, I mean, I thought Simeone really got his uh, uh, his stuff done well, and um, the, but the, you did get the feeling that we was missing something, and I think that was uh, Felipe, because you could actually see Real Madrid allowing Diaz to go forward, um, giving him the space to to have uh, his teammates pass to him. And I, I do think that Arda, for example, there was a lot of criticism uh, on Arda to run after a game. Um, and I think it shows just how important Felipe Luis is to that left side of uh, of our team because there wasn't any movement going forward. There wasn't any support for Arda and the other midfielders. And we didn't have any outlet on the left side of the, the, the game, which was a shame because that's usually our strongest uh, side of the, the, the team. The team looked crippled on the left. Yeah, and but we did know that this would happen because we don't have a proper replacement for Felipe Luis in the first place. I don't I really agree though because I think that this showed that Simeone perhaps was a bit cautious, or that he doesn't fully um, uh, confide in um, Silvio or Sisma because well, well of course you don't them. because Silvio's on his way out and uh, yeah. Sisma's a he's a second division player. I mean. With all due respect, um, Tizma's just arrived from a team that was relegated last season. <laughs> not that, not, doesn't sound too good on on your on on your on your duty sheet to to be part of the defense that um, uh, took a team to second division. I mean, maybe it's being too harsh on 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 Tizma, but um, maybe we're just trying to cover holes and not uh, solve problems there. It's like um, we need a player list with enough players, and and maybe Domingo Fisma is enough of a player to to face. I think he was just a cheap. He was a cheap replacement, a cheap backup. Yeah. Everybody okay. A cheap backup, uh, just in case. Yeah. Um, someone yeah, you can just... play against Hayes. Someone you can play against Victoria Pilsen. Someone you can play against Academica Coimbra. Not someone right. you would trust to to play at Santiago Bernabéu. But but I think I still it's the think... same issue that um, Kike yeah. Sanchez Flores or. Manzano had with Juanfran at the beginning. I don't know if maybe we're being um, unfair to Domingo Fisma and he might prove to be a better player in the future. But This is actually something I was thinking about, Ricky, because um, when I heard that Felipe wasn't able to play, I was actually thinking, all right, we should play Ceboya Rodriguez there. But, well, he's the uh, Rangers, of course. I think that would actually have been... Um, uh, our best possible replacement, but uh, unfortunately, both him and Felipe were out, which also meant that we didn't really have anyone coming off the bench. And and what about what about um, uh, switching switching Juan Fran to the other side and and playing with Kader on on the right? Or would that be experimenting too much? Because the thing is that Cristiano Ronaldo will all, all, will most usually take Juan Fran's side. I really would not like to see a Cantarano make his real debut against Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, that's just... Do you remember? There's actually um, a Real Madrid player. I think his name was Ruben. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Um, he made his debut. He just had a miserable, a terrible game. 
Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, Never, yeah, ever I'll give you another Galois example of, yeah, of a horrible debut. Uh, Pichuquea was a goalkeeper. Yeah. The, yeah. the the match that Atletico lost zero to six against Barcelona. I was there. I Did left. Didn't that happen to Roberto? No, no, Roberto no. That happened to Pichuquea. Yeah, no, but I think it happened to Roberto I will never play again, Cuella. <laughs> he didn't play again after that match. He, he, had, to, he had to leave the yeah. club, and he, he's an excellent goalkeeper. He, I, I think he's still playing for Sporting. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. well, so, it's true that um, it was it was a hard call, and there were really no proper replacements. But then again, that's one of the things that we talked about. We, we talked about not having proper replacements in the defense at the beginning of the season. But th- there's something I would like to say, though, because I don't think that um, not having Felipe lost us the game. Because in the end, I think that um, although we did miss him, we were lacking more than just Felipe on the offensive end because we didn't create any opportunities after Focal's early opportunity. And yeah, it was more than just uh, defending. I yeah, I think, that, that, I think that Real Madrid brings on enough, a, a whole lot more. I think that Real Madrid didn't get enough credit for their defensive performance because... They really did play very, very well, um, especially Xabi Alonso, who, well, who was apparently allowed to make 120 fouls a game without getting booked. Um, he did re- play very well, it though. It does seem like, to me, it always seems like Sergio Ramos and Xabi Alonso get a lot of respect from the referees. Oh, yeah, that's true. In that sense that they just, like, they really have to do something egregious, something really serious to get a yellow card. I always remember seeing them commit foul after foul after foul, and you're like, okay, okay, when's when's the car coming? And I I think it has to do, more than the Real Madrid thing, I think it has to do with national team, you know, stars. Well, but... But um, they're just being protected. We we do have Gabi on our side that does play that type of... His his game style is similar, and... um, Yeah, but he doesn't get away with as much. Uh, I don't think so, at least. I don't know. I don't know. I... I think reputation be... does play a, a very big factor there, but also I think it's the respect that you get from a referee because Gabi, he does seem like a very, very well, what do you call him, an honorable, honorable person because he is our captain. He's he's a nice guy. He doesn't lose his mind and he doesn't have a bad reputation despite making, I believe last year he was leading the league in fouls uh, made. Um, but I can see a point there because there's, I mean, there's Gabi and then there's Xabi Alonso who gets even more of an elite status and who seems to be even more protected by referees. Mm-hmm. No, no, true. Completely true. Um, it's it's very strange, a case where um, Xavi Alonso gets um, gets a red card um, and and maybe if you if you analyze how many how many matches he's actually deserved one um, you would get uh, deferring results from, from what you believe he should get and what he actually gets. Um, so, guys, go, guys go, talking. Oh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. So, talking about bookable offenses, um, Ricky, what did you think of Diego Costa? Was it comical, or were you ashamed of him being an Atletico player? Mm, neither, neither. I I think it's um, I think it's his style. It's not a style that I like, especially because it's a style that I normally criticize highly in. In um, rival players when they do that type of things, but truth is, it's the same case as um, a player like Pepe. It's a player you would love to have on your team, but you 
deeply hate him when he's on the on the rival side. And uh, I I don't know I don't know I I would I would probably go for um, showing red cards to that type of players that that do those type of things or or um, do like uh, Premier League does um, uh, really. Um, have have like strong punishments for for acts like those, even if it's after the match and um, by by the judging committees. And I don't know. I I I, I really think that, that that those type of behaviors should be banned from from modern football. But um, as long as there it's something that's um, being allowed, or as long as it's not being punished severely, as it obviously is not. I really don't know. <laughs> I my, from my that. standpoint, from the from the standpoint of entertainment value, to me it was hilarious, man. <laughs> I was I was frustrated with the game, but everything Costa was doing was I was just cracking up, like laughing out loud, you know, watching the game. From a football standpoint, to me it was incredibly frustrating because he'd get the ball and it, and then it's like all he would do is hold the ball with his body. He never looked up to like make a pass, you know what I mean? I I really thought he just, that he just wanted to have the defense close to punch him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was carrying the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like he was begging for that kind of contact. It's almost like Simeone was like, "Hold on to the ball, wait for them to hit you, have them get a red card, and then we'll have a numerical advantage or something like that." Yeah, it was like um, uh, trying to tip the the match in the in the opposite direction. Right, because he was extreme. It's like. Uh, you know, I, I've seen him in other games. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. It Costa seems sometimes like, almost like uh, he was looks, ordered. Looks nuts, but um, this time he he looked like if he were on a mission. Right, that's what I'm saying. It looked like he was ordered to do that kind of stuff to be the wind up merchant and and try to get somebody and like that. I don't or, know if you guys have seen uh, Cholo Simone play. I have quite a few seasons. I saw him when I was and a little kid playing for Argentina. He's but. closer to Diego Costa than to other. Uh, types of players, it, and and it's incredible how much he's he's changed as a as a coach because he is super elegant. Never has a bad word for the referee. Never has uh, a bad word for the for the rival uh, coaches or for the rival benches. Never gets into that type of sideline fights that we see so often. For example, in Real Madrid, we can talk about Mourinho later if you want, or about well, Mono Burgos. Mono Burgos and the <laughs> nice conversation they had, but. <laughs> Um, Simeone is super elegant in the sideline, and he wasn't that type of elegant player when he was on the pitch. He he got he got um, um, he got a was it a I think it was two months suspension. I would have to look that up um, against Bilbao, right? For stepping Julian Guerrero on yeah uh, on the leg and like poking a hole with with the studs of his um, yeah, uh, soccer boots and and. Yeah, yeah, really gruesome, and and, and um, they had been they had been like in that type of Diego Costa uh, Sergio Ramos fight during the whole match, and uh, that's how it ended um, uh, with Guerrero g- getting stitched on the sideline. So um, I don't know, I don't know if, if if what Diego Costa did the other day was was something that was um, ordered from from the outside, but. Um, I wouldn't find that uh, totally illogical. I don't know what you think, Derek. Um, well, I, I love Diego Costa's uh, performance at first because he was really going for it. It was a really 
South American approach where you do anything to win. And we mentioned uh, Simeone, of course, before he was Argentinian. Um, but I think that at one point it got the better of Diego Costa. It seemed that he was um, busier um, drawing fouls than actually playing football, as Marty mentioned. And um, I think that it uh, it cost him his own game because um, at one point he was busier with Ramos than he was with actually the rest of his teammates were getting into positions. And I think at one point it, it started to have a bad effect on Atletico. And, mm-hmm. um, I was at bit... first maybe it was motivational, but after a while it, it turned into something yeah. counterproductive. Totally. Yeah. Do you guys think uh, Cholo waited too long to make the substitutions? Absolutely. I've, I've heard you on... Ah, by the way, I called you Mr. Hangout at, at first, uh, at the beginning of the, <laughs> <laughs> of the podcast, because you were... You, you 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 appeared on 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 another podcast. Um, that's that's you're not allowed to by your contract. You're gonna get sued. No. <laughs> well, you said Seriously. no more English. I couldn't do it in English. That's ah, all okay. Now you were you were talking on on a very interesting podcast with with uh, Marca journalist and and some other fans and and you said something very interesting. Maybe you would like to talk about that um, about the same topic you were mentioning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really felt that when it was one nothing, uh, our game plan was kind of foiled. And you know, we've always seen it that uh, whenever we're given possession, whenever we have the ball, we don't know what to do. You know what I mean? And it seemed like both teams on on Saturday had that same issue, and that's why we saw. And, and that Chelsea uh, really um, got yeah. for the for the substitutions much sooner, right? Yeah, much sooner, and I think after we saw what Diego Costa was doing, I thought Adrián, we could use his spark, even though he hasn't been sharp this season, uh, I thought it was worth a gamble. I, I would have liked to see Diego Costa out, especially considering he had a yellow card. I didn't want to risk him. He was very close to getting a second, you know, or just a straight red. Uh, I really wanted to see Adrián a lot sooner, uh, just to see some kind of change, and then and Cholo pretty much waited to... It was, I think it was 2 nothing by the time he made the changes when it was too late. It was just clearly mm-hmm. too late. Um, I didn't I understand was, what he was waiting I, for. I was, I was looking up um, Simeone's um, famous um, incident with Julian Guerrero. It, I, I found it within the, the 25 most savage uh, tackles in football history. <laughs> Did they get the specific number? Yeah, it was qualified one of the top positions. <laughs> like third, second, first. I, I I I really can't make out right now. Um, but um, he was he was um, only suspended for three matches, even though he wasn't even shown. Um, he wasn't even booked that match. Um, the the referee didn't um, realize what was going on. But it was like. Cholo waiting for Julian Guerrero to get closer and all of a sudden stepping on him when he Crunch. he went to challenge the tackle. So, yeah, yeah um, back to the Diego Costa issue or to sum up the Diego Costa issue, it's something that I would I, I would feel more comfortable if Atleti didn't go in, didn't play that type of, of matches. But there's a moment has come in my life and... Um, I think that moment came like five or six years ago where I just want to win Real Madrid to get it off my chest and I really don't care about um, what method is used. And well, Ricky, <laughs> any, this, any method would be valid, including violence. This, <laughs> this week I was thinking, I, I feel just like the little boy in the 
Papa Porque somos del Atleti commercial because it's always like me or Martin asking you, Ricky, what was it like beating Real Madrid? Because uh, neither of us have actually been through that. I don't remember. <laughs> would, be, would be the 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 answer. Um, yeah, the thing is that um, it, it was it was such a long time ago that it's it, it's it was something that uh, somebody asked me at the beginning of the season. I don't I don't remember if it was in, in the podcast or or somewhere else um, that someone told me, um, "What are your your goals for this season?" and I have to place being Real Madrid at the very top. It's more important to me than, than um, winning another European title or 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 winning a um, uh, what about like qualifying for Champions League or qualifying for Champions League. That, that's really? um, equally important. But if I had to choose and I could only uh, have have one of both options, I would probably settle for beating Real Madrid. It's such a Intense social factor to um, get all the um, low-level abuse from everyone that surrounds you. It's so I, I guess it's impossible for people that don't live in Spain to understand what type of low-level abuse you get from from no. fans who make up for maybe half of the population. It's uh, and and in in places like Madrid, it's maybe seventy-five percent of the population. It's like. I mean, What's you sad though? What's you don't sad, want though, your that... kids to to um, um, uh, for the rest of the class because normally it's the rest of the class and only your kid is an Atleti fan. Um, Why do you do that to your kid? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's what parents tell me. Why do you do that to your kid? Why that's do you like let a form of child abuse? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's how you build characters. What you got to say? Th- that's it. That's it. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, it's. Right now, it's as important to get off our um, get this off our chest. Um, I remember when when we first met Martin, when we first started talking, I I explained to you how abusive the term pupas had become, and and it was something that I, at, at first Atleti used to talk about um, how unlucky sometimes Atletico was, and and they started to use the word pupas, which means something like similar to being a crybaby or or to always being the unlucky kid in class and that's that's what said pupas is like and um at the, it, it, the the word had turned into such an abusive term that um this whole streak of winning Europa League and the Super Cup and um turning into um the historical team it, it once was is so soothing for normal um, fans that it's really important to get back into normal terms with as to everything, as to the competition, as to history. And one of the things, probably the final step, is beating Real Madrid and and resetting the stats to zero and and just having maybe normal results. I I, I won't expect to be winning um, the Derby. Uh, ten consecutive that's, times, but that's I what I was gonna say. We we end up beating them out of every ten. Yeah, then we end up beating them, and then what happens after we finally beat them? Then they they get off to another, you know, <laughs> ten year streak against this is, us. This is a worst uh, streak in history. I think that Ricky, we can probably close off this subject by saying one more thing because we, of course, we we chat almost daily on our uh, WhatsApp, um, where we have a, an amazing title for our conversation, which is. Um, Esta año sí, 
Pero luego. And I think you should just keep it at that. Yeah. It'll have to be in 19 weeks. Exactly. <laughs> we're counting down already. And, well, you, you guys were here for the Sevilla match. Um, and for someone like Martin Rosenau, uh, it was, <laughs> did I say it right this time? Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> got it. Tell me I did, even if I didn't. Um, yeah, and, um, for you, it was your first time here in Spain. Um, well, impressions, uh, what surprised you the most? What, what weren't you expecting? What were you expecting? And maybe was Neptuno smaller than you expected? Um, uh, was With the Picadero as impressive? The, was it cold? Uh, I don't know. Those type of things that overseas fans um, that haven't had the chance to be in Madrid or that maybe come every um, so often want to know uh, firsthand what it's like. Yeah, uh, to be honest, obviously it wasn't the ideal game. The first one I went to was the Hapoel Tel Aviv one. Uh, yeah, it like did give me the chance. It did give me the chance to uh, do the press uh, experience. Percent of the audience? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because of the audience. But you know what? Standing in the Calderon, it's so weird because I've, I've watched all the games these past few years. I haven't missed a game. You know, you're, you're always seeing the stadium. You see pictures, other people's pictures of being there, video. And once you're standing there, it's so surreal. It's amazing. It's a really, really great feeling to finally be there. Is it, uh, what's that? Is it very different? No, not at all. It's just, it just felt like I've always been there, kind of. You know what I mean? It, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. After seeing it so much, it was like, yeah, this is it. This is it. I'm here. You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> I have to mention that, that the biggest thing that surprised me, something that us interna international fans don't get to see because we watch on TV all the time or on streams, is the tradition of the sandwiches, the bocadillos at halftime. Oh, the halftime sandwich. I don't think, I don't, I don't think any... International fans are aware that, like, right when the halftime whistle blows, every man, woman, and child in the stadium pulls out a huge bocadillo sandwich and they start, like, chomping down. In the U.S., like, you, you can't bring in food in the stadium, but from what Danny and Ricky were telling me at the stadium, that's something, it's so traditional that, that they can't change those rules. I honestly think that that kind of affects concessions at the stadium, like to allow food to come in, but but I, I respect the fact that that they've kept that tradition intact, where people can bring in their sandwiches, bring in their food, and and eat at halftime. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, no man, the be we got to be in right next to the the Frente Atlético, and it's just an amazing experience. We we were in a section where we the were standing. Sevilla match, right? Yeah, that was for the Sevilla match. Mm -hmm. Uh. No, we got to stand up. We we were in a section where every single person was standing up, mm -hmm. and it was incredible. I lost my voice. Me and Derek were trying to to mouth the lyrics and trying to memorize the lyrics of all the songs. I was just kind of winging it and trying to make. Ah, uh, that's why Derek knows how to take <laughs> Tevoya now. <laughs> yeah, but, but obviously uh, we went we went to the game that we had to go to, man. Derek. Uh, to, um, yeah. Uh, which international fans were here? There, there were quite a few, right? Yeah, and I have to. I am very grateful to um, Kevin um, and Het from uh, the Belgian Peña because they arranged the tickets for uh, for myself, but also for Martin and his wife. You mean uh, Hurt, the one I, I sometimes call Gert <laughs> on the record? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurt, sorry. Sorry <laughs> for announcing your name, as I do with everyone, apparently. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, we also met up with uh, Asim, uh, who I hadn't met before, but he's a really great guy. Um, as well as um, some of the Swedish guys who, Martin, I think you ran into them three or four times, didn't you, in one week? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I spent more time with them than I did with you guys. Yeah. Uh, they were at the training session. Then whenever we went to the museum, they happened to schedule the same time to go to the museum. And then they were at the Esquina del Calderón, too. So, yeah. I yeah, to spent some time with them. You met them for some sightseeing in Madrid as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. After um, the training session, we went to lunch with them. Yeah, and... Um, Suzanne also your, was here from your Germany. Special, your special <laughs> piece of secret advice uh, that um, every um, uh, foreign uh, visitor uh, can't miss. What would you well, say it is? Bring your bocadillas, because Martin, he wasn't prepared. I had to bring some bocadillas for him, because he had no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, and I was actually prepared. I just forgot. He just, just forgot. he just wanted you to pay for the vocabulary, man. <laughs> Danny, Danny was the one who had he he had stashed like five. That's why the, American economy is booming because they don't pay for the vocabularies. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's all that. It's I, I didn't even think you'd be allowed to bring in food. That's the other thing. The the uh, custom of not being allowed to bring in anything. I, I do think that it's mainly a Spanish thing, though, because in Holland, for example, in Germany and England as well. Oh, no, England, not sure, but Holland and Germany oh, definitely. Germany, they have a lot of incredible. Yeah, there, there, yeah. there's so many rest, um, so many um, concessions and places inside. You can order food. Thing is that yeah. people bring food inside. Because um, uh, stadiums on the inside in Spain, let's face it, they suck. Most yeah, they, they, but they don't have a lot of stores, for example, while in Holland or Germany. Are, are just um, so expensive that you can't, mm, uh, you, you, you couldn't, mm, well, you couldn't afford to have dinner there. <laughs> um, for example, at Santiago Bernabéu, that's full of places where you can you can um, buy a bocadillo. Bocadillos are so expensive that people will just wait until the, the end of the night to take a bocadillo outside or bring yeah. it from, from home, of course. The best thing yeah, about the Sevilla okay. game, guys, was most definitely what I always love. Um, when you're standing up, and as Marty mentioned, we split the entire game. Um, we were singing the entire game, and when we scored, and of course there was a, a very passionate game, as it always is against Sevilla, um, what I love most is when people come tumbling down. Uh, <laughs> I think some poor guys fell right beneath us. Um, uh, I think Paula and Martin actually uh, yeah, ended up two rows beneath us as well. And it's what yeah. I also love, for example, when I was in the, at the final um, in uh, Hamburg and in Bucharest as well. I ended up um, completely downstairs. I think I was six, seven, eight rows below where I uh, Yeah, that's, that's, that's not so dangerous now as it used to be. Because now they've got the, these uh, full seats. Man, uh, I, I love it, man. I mean, you end up in somebody's arms that you've never met. You give them a kiss and you go up. <laughs> and it's yeah. the best thing there is. I, I know I'm, I'm going to sound um, very, very old here, but in, in, the, in the olden days, um, no, before the before Vicente Calderon, Vicente Calderon had a structural problem in, uh, in the mid '90s, and they were afraid they had to tear down the whole um, stadium. Because there had been like an incredible, an incredibly um, uh, extended batch of faulty cement being used in buildings and especially in stadiums in the 60s that started to crumble to pieces after around 20 years of being used. So Atletico Madrid Stadium was crumbling to pieces and they had to 
tear down the stands one by one and rebuild the stands. So Atletico Madrid Stadium, in fact, has rebuilt uh, practically 80% of it, except for for um, maybe the columns of the stadium. The rest of the stands are rebuilt from using new concrete. And before the, the um, putting the new concrete where they... Um, they they put plastic seating after after the concrete. There were like wooden benches. There were like row benches, uh, really long benches, and people would m- maybe um, slide or or run down um, in a real really avalanche like um, movement after goals. And I don't know if you watch Argentinian matches where they still do that. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. It, you would be like smashed and squished against um, dozens of people, and it would. Um, I, I used to, I used to be in that stand in the in the south stand of Vicente Calderón, where everybody stands up, and if you were caught off guard when Atlético scored a goal, you you could just be trampled by by the by the crowd just um, sliding down the the stand. So. Um, it was it was a bit scary. It was it was exciting, but it was also a bit scary. And and I know that um, people would there would be always um, a few people bruised after after uh, every single goal. So well, it's it's not as dangerous as it used to be because people maybe um, now mingle um, more than um, avalanche down the the stands. But um, well, enough of the talk of the old days. Um, moving on. Um, well, I think Richie, I wanted to make one recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not so big of a secret, but uh, for people that are gonna visit the club in in Madrid, uh, I would really strongly recommend that they take it. They make the trip to the Cerro del Espino, uh to the I training ground. You, you were going to recommend me to take them for a walk, <laughs> a brief, a brief stroll. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ricky. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, but really. Uh, even if you can't get into the training session, uh, you get there. There's a really, really popular bakery across the street from the Cerro del Espino. I don't know if you've been there, Ricky. Uh-huh, uh, an yeah. Argentine bakery. I uh, would recommend trying the Media Luna. It's a really delicious pastry. Uh, you can sit there, have a coffee, and wait for the players. Uh, they're, they're more than willing to sign autographs and take photos with you. Uh, make sure to bring some kind of, you know, art of some kind of memorabilia where and a marker. You know, so that they can sign but for you. I got, I got a bunch of autographs. Playing facilities. Don't you think they're a bit run down? Uh, yeah, they're a bit run down. But uh, Danny explained to me that they, they're pretty much free for the club. You know, because uh, Jesus Hill had an agreement, had an agreement with the club, with uh, the city a while back. You know that story, Ricky? Yeah, of course I do. But yeah, yeah, that uh, yeah, bring like to cash. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get the point that it, it was for free, and, and, but um, I think that should be a reason to, to maybe invest some money in, in, in having it decently, I don't know, in decent conditions. The thing is that, um, as in, is the case with La Peneta, they're not investing money in in Vicente Calderón because they're expecting to make a move. Who knows when? Who knows how? Because I don't know um, who's going to pay for that, but someone has to pay for the new stadium, and obviously the the, the club is heavily in debt. The same thing happens with the, with the training facilities. 
um, they they had Cerro del Espino training facilities maybe a decade before Real Madrid started building Valdebebas. Valdebebas is finished. It's one of the most modern uh, facilities in Europe. And I know we always have to play a poor brother here, but it's such an incredible difference what we have um, against what Real Madrid has, for example. Uh, it's just shameful. I, I think that Cerro del Espino, well, it's a great place to go. Um, players are very polite and all that, but we should have much better training facilities, in my opinion. Am I sounding too negative here? No, not really. It's pretty reasonable. Yeah, the thing is that the Arcorcon training facilities, um, if they ever build them, are going to be absolutely awesome because there, there, there's going to be a stadium there um, with enough space to, to um, add um, additional stands that can hold up to maybe 50,000 uh, people with uh, temporary stands, and it's it's going to have fixed stands of up to eighteen to 20,000 people. It's going to be incredible to have Atleti B play there, and maybe even some of the Atleti's friendlies can be played there, and it's going to have a golf course and all that, but it's... The, the, plans, the, the plans really reminded me of um, Real Madrid's uh, current training facilities, actually. I mean, you just mentioned how good those look, and I think that ours are pretty much like, although I believe it's even larger and with even more pitches, if I remember correctly. There's there's a there's a a, a project here that um, Gary would have a hearty laugh if he was on the show right now. Um, there's a, there's a, um, um, one of Las Vegas investors, um, uh, um, Mr. Addison. I think he's he owns the um, what is it the the Bellagio. Uh, casino in, in Las Vegas. Uh, this, this is the actual Las Vegas, not the Euro Vegas. Yeah. Of some of the Las Vegas casinos are, are, are planning to open a casino somewhere in Madrid. The thing is that if they choose the same location as Atletico Madrid has planned to uh, build their training facilities, there's a, there's a, um, an agreement to split the investment to build, for example, the golf course, which will be very profitable for, for Atletico Madrid if it's ever built. The thing is that um, the the planning for the for Euro Vegas is very slow, and I don't think Atletico can wait forever to have decent training facilities. The thing is that they have enormous space in Alcorcón. They should they could be building right now. They could be um, they could have that ready in, in a matter of, of one or two years. The thing is that I'm absolutely convinced that Atletico don't have enough money to to carry out the project and, and they're just waiting for, for better times. And I don't know what they're, what could possibly change in order to um, allow Atletico to have enough money because, let's face it, right now Atletico are at their best moment and from from an economical point of view, they're... Um, we don't seem to be going anywhere better than the previous uh, seasons. Um, we're still going to go through the same economic struggles, struggles at the end of the season, and and maybe that that implies um, selling Falcao and or, or 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 maybe swapping some of the players that we have for cheaper players. Or so as to the training facility thing, true. Uh, follow Martin's advice. Go and visit, but. We, we should have better training facilities. I am sounding very negative. 
<laughs> Since you mentioned the uh, economical situation, um, Rick, in, as well as selling for cow, maybe it's uh, time to move on to the transfer rumors because, well, December has just started and we're already getting some um, tabloid activity. Um, and Martin, you, you wrote an article for AthleticalFans.com today um, describing some of the rumors that are floating around. Yeah, the biggest one uh, that came out last night and early this morning was about Leo Baptistao of Rayo Vallecano, their young starlet. Uh, according to us, uh, he's really close to signing with Atleti, though he wouldn't be joining in the January transfer window. He'd be joining in, in the summer uh, so that he can help them stave off relegation. I don't know how you guys would feel about that. What's his uh, contract situation at Rayo? Uh, I think all I know is his release clause is eight million, yeah, and I, and Atletico would try to you know bring down that by by you know trading off some players. Uh, I know Jorge Pulido, who played there last season, is being talked about as as a major candidate to go back. Uh, if he does go back, they're saying that he'd go back with the buyback clause, and then also Domingo Sisma, Ricky's second division player. I think Domingo Cintisma is in the same situation as, for example, Jorge Pulido. They have space for developing, but they're not going to develop as players um, in training sessions. And uh, um, Mario Suarez right. perfect example. Uh, yeah. A player that didn't seem ready for Atletico Madrid. Um and and earned his stripes elsewhere and and came back as as a full fledged um, useful player. Same case as Gabi against all odds against. But what do you think about uh, Leo? Do you like him? Sorry. About Leo Baptista. I think he's a very interesting player, and in fact, I I I know for sure that Malaga um, uh, felt really sorry because they had a chance of of signing him. Mm, uh, for a very low fee two seasons ago, and they let the the chance pass, and and right now they're they're looking back at that missed opportunity, and and they 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 they, they think that maybe they they should have signed Leo Bautista when he was still an affordable player playing for Rayo B. And Speaking of missed opportunities, what about Michu missing out on Michu? Do you think that was a big miss? I really he was dangled for like two and a half million. I really think that there are players that make it in the Premier League that um, just don't fit in certain sides in in La Liga, and I don't think it's it's um, outrageous to to see him be very successful in Swansea and and um, see him getting very little playtime in in Atlético Madrid as, for example, the first years that we had in Diego Costa. Hmm. Mm, me too is a 25 year old player you can't bring him here to play him uh 5 to 10 minutes every match you you have to you have to be sure that he's he's a good option to uh, uh, uh he's a good backup player um and and you're going to give him enough minutes and i really didn't see the spot where um Michu could fit in the team i i i'm 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 quite happy with the with the forwards that we have. Maybe I think we're missing a for, uh, one more forward, but maybe I would I would probably give more opportunities to Pedro. I I wouldn't have let go of of Borja though. Um, Borja, there's mixed feelings with Borja that maybe he he's 
he's really finally not going to make it as as people thought he might. And I don't know. Um, you always. Get I'd rather take. I, I personally, I love the Cantera thing. You know, I'd much rather prefer a Cantera player to come up and 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 actually succeed. But but when it comes to these players, for me that are proven commodities, over a Canterano, I'd rather go with the proven commodity, especially at a. I would have loved to see us take a a gamble on Michu, and it wasn't even to me a big gamble. You know, I don't know how Derek. What Derek thinks about it. I think that um, while we do need some backup players in certain positions, um, especially the the, the wing back positions, and also I think the 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 forward positions, especially on the wings, um, we do need some extra players there. But um, I don't think that Atletico were willing to splash out any money, even if it was just three or four million for Michu. I would settle for Fernando Torres. <laughs> <laughs> we might we, we might get some money to go with him. He <laughs> got two goals today. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> um, um, what about the, the the rest of the players? Can you see this? Um, can you see Sylvia moving? Um, well, Marco claims that he's gone. Like, he's totally nice. gone. She said that she would move Silvio out of the club if she could. <laughs> Who said that? Mice, um, I don't know, a Canadian uh, listener that we have. Hello. Oh, um, Mace, Mace, yeah. Mace. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think Silvio well, was practically out of the door um, in August, and then his move collapsed at the very last second. Yes. Um, he will be looking for a move. I don't think that Simeone is counting has, on either. has collapsed in the very last minute, look, ever since August. <laughs> and, yeah, and I... I I'm I'm just worried that we're not going to find a replacement because we're probably going to have to look for another Sisma-like signing where we just find a free player or a very, very cheap player who can play in defense but who won't be a very good player. And I'm just concerned that we're going to have to pray and to beg and to wish and to hope that none of our defenders get uh, picks up a serious injury because if Juan go, Frank go, does go down or if Felipe does go down, um, then we really don't have a lot of capable replacements. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the blessing there would be that you'd start seeing more playing time for Manquillo and Kader. Manquillo so. and Kader play on the same side. And um, Simeone is, is, is considering playing Manquillo uh, or Kader, one of them in the midfield and the other one as a, as, as a, as a fullback. I don't know. And yeah. they get back Mariano Pernia. He's a free agent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, we 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 have come a long way, and we're not complaining about um, either side of our defense, and that's that's already an incredible improvement. I'm um, I'm I'm happy as can be in in that sense. But thing is that um, once you get a solid defense, you you start looking for replacements um, in case something happens, and you always. Um, Need the replacement um, in right when the derby comes. So I think we're we're remembering that we don't have replacements because um, we missed a replacement on on a Sunday night, maybe on the most important Sunday night so far. But yeah, um, the thing is, see, for this game for the derby, if Silvio was at peak form, he's supposed to be that kind of replacement. You know, in fact, he was supposed to be a starter. So okay, can can you think of any disappointment um, as big as Silvio? 
I, I can't on the, think on of the squad anybody. right now. On the uh, squad right now, you mean? Recent Cause... seasons, I can't think of anyone who's gone from more to less in a shorter period of time. Not even I, Fran Merida, because I Fran Merida know, really I did. You know, a couple of players that came in with uh, a lot of expectations. I mean, look at uh, someone like Manish or Costinha, Fabiano Eller. I mean, we've had worse Santana. Yeah. The problem is though that he started out so 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 very well and that actually increased our hopes and expectations and then he suddenly fell down and there's this feeling that we know how good he can be um, but it's simply not coming out and he's still an international player for Portugal he still has all the talent he still has his age um, but it simply isn't coming out right now and I believe I mean in some in some situation if Simeone were to leave for whatever reason. Um, and another coach comes in who does give um, Silvio the confidence, then I still believe that he could become a very good player for Atletico. But I don't think in his current situation um, that Silvio is going to improve a lot because he does seem to be missing um, um, the confidence and the trust of his coach. And um, that's why we should be looking for a temporary move or maybe even a permanent one. Mm-hmm. Well, right now, there, what's being discussed is a temporary, just a loan for Silvio, and supposedly the front office still has a lot of trust in him, and they they want him back at some point in the future. Well, but and that's the same I, I'm front sure office with something that, that has trust in in Pizzi, and I just see Mendes hands there. Yeah, um, I don't know if you you agree there that I mean um, you see Mendes hand you, to a certain degree, but you've also seen Silvio's quality. You know what I mean? We've seen it before. I don't know about you guys, but Pizzi has impressed a little, you know, this year. As as much as uh, 12 million euros? No, no. Not that much? Not as much, as, no, not that much, but... And um, Silvio is an 8 million euro player. Let's not forget about that. Um, we're talking about some of our most expensive signings. In the, well, in, we're uh, also talking about signings that were um, arranged by the Gestifute agency of Jorge Mendes and... Mm-hmm. Like Falcao, we don't really have a clue of how much we actually paid. And personally, right. I still don't believe that we did pay uh, 12 million for PC. I still think there's something that we don't know about that deal. Mm-hmm. And um, th- th- there are talks, and, and you 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 covered that in your in your piece as well, Martin, about contract extensions. How do you feel about those contract extensions that they're mentioning? Uh, I like it. I like the continuity it would give the club. I think, obviously, chief and foremost, the priority is Simeone. Mm-hmm. If we could sign him, somebody starves. One of our readers made a funny comment that we should get uh, Simeone a 10-year a, a contract extension. That would be extremely comforting. But at the very least, we're supposed to announce before uh, the end of the year that Simeone is going to stick around for for one more season. Uh, same thing with Miranda and Adrián. They're expected to get uh, contract extensions. I'm sure Adrián's release clause is going to go up a little. And I, I think it's really crucial to have that continuity that we haven't seen. Uh, the biggest example is seeing our Europa League final, you know, from 2010 to the one from this year, that mm-hmm. it was a whole different team. Obviously, in this case, it paid off. We did end up winning a Europa League and a Super Cup, but at the same time, a bunch of us have all these idols and a bunch of jerseys in our closets that are practically useless right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
to say it politely, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that that are worth burning would be the other, the other yeah, way yeah. Of, of saying That's it. it. <laughs> um, uh, what are your feelings on Adrian Derek? And and maybe we can. Start. I love this kid. I mean, he has so much credit with me, and um, even if he would join another club, then I would still support Adrian because I think he's an amazing player. Um, and I just hope that this deal gives him uh, the confidence um, to find back his old form, the form that we saw last season, because I still believe that his last season, his performances were actually underrated, um, and he has so much more to show, um, which unfortunately, unfortunately he hasn't done um, so far this season. But I think all of us are confident that um, sooner we, uh, rather than later we will see old Adrian, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully... Over the um, uh, Christmas break, he can get some rest. He can clear his head. Um, and I'm hoping for a very strong second half of the season from Adrian. Okay, let's let's move on because we've we've extended the Derby talk, even though we we we, we promise not to, and and um, we we still have to cover a couple of of topics. Um, Courtois was in the limelight for a few hours um, because of his Twitter account. Um, Something happened there, Derek. You, you had a very good explanation to what could have happened. Maybe theorizing about this. Yeah, this this slightly infuriated me because this was way overblown by the media um, in Belgium, but all over the world. Because I I was actually reading some uh, message boards this uh, afternoon where people were uh, mentioning it in English as well. Um, what happened was there was one single person who insulted and abused um, Courtois on his Twitter account. Um, one single person, and because of the abuse, the Twitter system automatically suspended Courtois's ac- uh, account. So there's like some forum-like uh, moderation in Twitter going on in the yeah, background. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, people w- w- couldn't reach Courtois' account anymore, so they were they thought that he had actually uh, quit Twitter. He had... Uh, they thought that he had left the service, which wasn't the case because just a couple hours later uh, he was back online and uh, tweeting as well. So he probably uh, didn't even understand what was going on until way after exactly. it happened. Yeah, exactly. But, um, well, of course, there are thousands of people who are actually following Courtois, so it got picked up very quickly by the news as well. Um, and somehow it got twisted into the story where apparently masses of Atletico fans had abused... Somehow well, you mean um, the, the the post-derby Madridista press um, <laughs> decided to abuse Atleti fans a bit, even on that front? Yeah, well, that's, I'm not that's sure. The truth. That's the truth. It that's wasn't a, even just Madridista press, because it was in... Um, Kevin told me that it was in Belgium as well, where the national papers picked it up. And well, because they, re- they relay whatever type exa- of information well, exactly, they get, of course. And, the problem here was there was just a single person who is uh well let's and we just clarify say that we should clarify right now that it wasn't Billy Edwards I mean, it, it was, 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 was. <laughs> <laughs> we're not being very clear there <laughs> no it wasn't Billy Edwards <laughs> uh, he's the sweetest guy I know and poor Billy was trying to explain he's guilty of other things but we're not telling which ones. Billy is a pretty good investigative journalist, and he figured out who had been the person um, to insult Courtois, and he uh, he ousted them in public. Um, and somehow, in some twisted way, Billy was uh, was blamed for the entire mis- uh, mishap. Um, <laughs> no, but in the end, Courtois back on Twitter. Uh, there was just one idiot who had insulted him, who is now gone, and uh, I think all is well. 
Hey, but um, you you got a Courtois plug, by the way, after the Sevilla match. Talk about that. Uh, I love it. Um, <laughs> what we forgot to mention earlier when Martin was telling about his amazing trip to Madrid um, is that you can actually read a lot of uh, information on it in our um, aftermath piece from week 13. I oh, think that was great. Right. I love uh, I love the aftermath always. I'm yeah. a diehard fan, but that one's that one's so fun to read and yeah. and and to see because the pictures are incredible. There's yeah, pictures, it, there's video, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to put together too. Yeah, check it out, and um, I think Ricky, you, you'll be able to uh, plug it in uh, the This Is a Lady episode. Just uh, place yeah, the link in the, show, in the show notes, of course. Yeah, it's a great read. And um, well, basically, what happened um, is that Kevin the president of the Belgian Peña, who had arranged our tickets for the Sevilla game, um, he had been in contact with Courtois for months because, well, they're both Belgian, obviously. And um, Kevin had bought a Courtois shirt and he had asked uh, the keeper to uh, get autographs from all the other players and from Simeone as well. Um, but unfortunately, they hadn't been able to um, um, uh, meet up again to give him uh, back the jersey. So they had been texting for uh, for a while, and then suddenly we got some texts while we were still having a beer at the bar after the Sevilla game. Um, we got a text from Courtois, who was having dinner with his father, um, and he told us, well, I'll be uh, at the Vichette de Calderon in, uh, in a couple of minutes. Um, so there we were, at midnight, I think it was, <laughs> um, waiting for um, Courtois to turn up, and then suddenly we heard this roar, this... Uh, this loud noise was Courtois arriving in his uh, Porsche Panamera. Um, I think he was waking up the entire square uh, and everyone in the house is around it. Um, but despite that... Oh, so in the insider videos, he plays Mr. Nice Guy and he drives a Beetle. Yeah. And no, afterwards, yeah, he has yeah. a Panamera. <laughs> yeah. Really, nice. he's a nice guy, though, because um, obviously I speak Dutch as well, so I was able to ask him a couple questions. And he's so shy. I mean, the way he arrived, and he's he's huge. He's taller than I am. Um, so you, you he's kind even of taller than me. He's even <laughs> taller than me too. That yeah. tall. <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of look up to him. Then, then you ask him a question, and you realize that he's just a 19-year-old kid who's actually very shy. Um, and I asked him, "Well, uh, this was an easy game, wasn't it?" Yeah, yeah, it was, and didn't have much to do. All right. And uh, I asked him, "You're not going to going to play against Gein, are you?" No, no. I, I think uh, Asenjo's playing, etc., etc. So it was nice having a little chat with him. Um, he posed for some pictures, uh, including a great one where we're all holding the Atletico fence. Holding uh, up your Atletico fence scarf. Yeah. Um, so it's some great pro- promotion as well. And um, if you're listening, Thibaut, thanks for your help, mate, and uh, good luck. And Thibaut, listen, keep listening. <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing is, after the aftermath of the derby, the one thing that I was able to yell at him before he got to his car, I was like, Thibaut, make sure to beat Real Madrid. And then he, like, shyly was like, I will try, I will try. And he just walked into his car, and I'm like... So you jinxed him. Yeah, that's all my fault, guys. It was <laughs> we shouldn't forget to mention, though, that um, Danny, who had left just before we uh, we met up with Courtois, uh, Danny Hidalgo, that is... Um, he published a nice little story about uh, the entire trip and the meetup in the 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 ass a couple of days later. So thanks again, Danny. You're always a great mate. Uh, yeah, yep. um, Danny. Danny plays a, a major role in your story, right, yeah, Martin? Yeah, yeah, totally, man. <laughs> He's like the international atleti like liaison in yeah. Madrid. Man. He hooks everybody up. It's pretty yeah. cool. Okay, before we close, um, look ahead quickly at Camp Nou. Do you think we have to be 
um, scared after what we saw, um, how the, the team shrinked into invisibleness um, at Santiago Bernabeu. Should we expect to see the same at Camp Nou? I honestly, I, don't know. I am really nervous and afraid, although... Um, and I hate to say it because I never wish injury upon anyone, but tonight Lionel Messi got injured, and if he were to miss the game, then I think that would significant, uh, significantly increase our chances of getting a result there. Um, right now, I'd just take any result, even if it's a boring 0-0 draw or a 5-5 draw or whatever. Um, I have no idea what to expect from the Barcelona game. because they 5-5 draw is pretty awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'm more afraid. I'm more afraid of if El Cholo listens to our podcast and sees that we're not taking it one game at a time. So um, Victoria Pilsen coming up, and then Deportivo before a trip to Barcelona. Okay, Cholo. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the official script. You learned it. You learned it. Okay, so. Um, well, I, th- I think we, we've, we've covered most of the topics and, um, before we go, let me, let me thank you again for, well, for, first of all, for being so great and, and I had such a great time when you guys were over and this is practically the first time, um, we listened to our voices, um, after, after your trip, at least me, um, you guys were there partying all Sunday, all Saturday and all Sunday, um, Martin, it's been great having you again and I hope to speak to you soon. All right, Ricky, and thanks for everything, man. Thanks for that long journey all around Madrid. (laughs) Your feet still hurt, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, still got blisters. (laughs) And and Derek, uh, thanks again and speak to you soon. Absolutely, guys. I love talking to you again um, as well as a couple weeks ago. I had a great time. Um, Yeah. It was just fantastic meeting up with you guys. We'll get back after the the Deport match, and we won't be um, we won't be away for so long. Like the, the so, this wraps up another episode of Red and White Fashion. Remember to send your views by Twitter at this is Atleti, Facebook on Facebook.com/slash/thisisatleti, or by email on info at thisisatleti.com. If you're a new listener, we hope you enjoyed the show and that you will continue to listen to us. You can subscribe to the podcast or download it via iBox or iTunes. Thank you for Atleti. If you would like to advertise on This Is Atleti, contact us via email on info at thisisatleti.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.